Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Hope House, who is a chapter manager of Youth for Christ in Casper, Wyoming, talking about the needs and obstacles facing our youth today. A lot of the kids that we're dealing with now, they're lacking parenting. Um, They're really confused by the whole gender identity understanding of who they are. Mm. They're being attacked in their identity, you know? They're just being really um, inundated with a lot of information about who they are, um, how they should live their life. Wyoming has a lot of meth, and so a lot of our kids are um, dealing with a lot of parents that are dealing with um, drug addictions and things like that. All the children that we're working with now, the teens that we're working with now, they're homeless. They're living in their cars. Um, their parents aren't at home. They're raising themselves. They're very confused about just life in general. Patrick Herman talks with Hope House next. Youth for Christ is on a quest to win the hearts of our youth for Jesus across the nation. We caught up today with Hope House of the Casper, Wyoming Charter of Youth for Christ. Hope, thanks for being with us today on Pilgrim Radio's His People. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, just the name, Hope House, it just sounds like a ministry in itself. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Youth for Christ, it's been at it since 1944 is what I think I read online. It started during World War II with maybe the help of uh, Billy Graham. Tell me, tell me how it got started. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's really amazing because um, um, Billy Graham served as one of the first full-time pastors, like staff members, um, as a young man. And um, I think it's before he started a lot of his, um, you know, he did a lot of tent meetings and evangelistic type meetings. And so before that, he was very involved in engaging the youth into those um, camp meetings and Um, open tent meetings and a lot of evangelism and things like that. So what an amazing rich history that you can say that Billy Graham was part of starting your, the ministry that you're involved with. It's an honor, actually. It's an honor. Well, you think about the urgency that was there, the young people of the day, they already knew World War I, that was kind of glamorized, but World War II, they knew death was facing them direct on, straight on. And here's Billy Graham saying, you need to think about where you're going to spend eternity. The urgency was there then. It's there now, isn't there? Tell me what you guys are dealing with. Who, who are the young people that you're facing today? Well, it's kind, it's kind of shifted, actually. Um, I've been at Youth for Christ for 10 years now. Um, my husband and I started, I started here first, and then my husband came a year after me. He passed away last year. But we were together here for almost nine years working at Youth for Christ. And um, we've kind of seen a shift in, in the, the kids that we're serving, actually. Um, a lot of the kids that we're dealing with now, um, there's, they're lacking parenting. Um, they're really confused by the whole gender identity understanding of who they are. Mm-hmm. They're being attacked in their identity period, the end, you know, they're just being really um, inundated with a lot of information about who they are, um, how they should live their life. Wyoming has a lot of meth. And so a lot of our kids are um, dealing with a lot of parents that are dealing with 
um, drug addictions and things like that. So um, years ago, when I first started at Youth for Christ, a lot of the children that we were dealing with, some of them were homeless, but not as many now. I'd say maybe 30, 40 percent of the children that we're working with now, the teens that we're working with now, they're homeless. They're living in their cars. Um, their parents aren't at home. They're raising themselves. Um, they're very confused about just life in general. And so um, a lot of people are, are you know, sharing the fact about COVID and how COVID things changed. Yes, it did change things. Absolutely. But I, I think for us dealing with the teens that we're dealing with, a lot of it is like addiction and homelessness and a lot of confusion. Well, Hope, tell us how you combat that. What do you tell a kid that's just that you realize they're having all this confusion of what's being thrown at them through the school districts and, and through the media? What do you tell them? What, what kind of hope do you give them? Well, you know, one of the things that I share a lot with the kids and and you know, um, the other two staff members that work with me, we go to juvenile detention center twice a week. And so when you go in there and you'll ask them questions like, you know, who are you? What do you feel your purpose is? Things like that. They'll go, well, we're really nothing. We're losers. We can't, you know, create a life for ourselves because we're in jail. And one of the things I always tell the youth is this. God did not create you just to take up space on this earth. You know, when God created you in the very beginning in Genesis, you know, that God wanted a family, right? That has always been God's purpose, that he wanted a family, that he wants to love us, that he wants to create purpose and identity in us. And knowing that, you know, we, we don't push, you know, we are a Christian organization. We are Youth for Christ. It's pretty evident what we believe, but we accept the kids where they are. Um, in their confusion, and we always speak to their identity. The most important thing we share with them is that you were created for purpose, and outside of God, your purpose is really lacking. And and a lot of the kids will share their, you know, sexual identity and things with us. And and the things, the first thing we share with them is that who are you as a person? Who are you as an individual? What are you passionate about? You know, what do you feel your purpose is? And so I, I think our focus really is on sharing with the kids um, their purpose in God. And mm -hmm. God created them for purpose. Tell us your story. How did you come to know Jesus? Um, well, I was, my mom is Jewish and my dad wasn't. And I was kind of raised um kind of confusing, <laughs> I like, to be honest, yeah. to be totally honest. Um, my my mom's mother was Jewish, and she always taught me there was no hell and there was no Jesus. And my dad's mom, who was Southern Baptist, always told me to pray for my parents because they were going to hell. And I would tell her I didn't believe in hell because my other grandma said there wasn't a hell. And um, we would spend the night with her, um, especially in the summer. She had a farm and... She had a picture of Jesus on the wall, and I would always look up at that picture, you know, wondering if what was true. And I always had um, a lot of questions, you know, coming from both backgrounds. And um, when I was a child, I had a dream about Jesus. And at 18, um, I was invited to go to church, and um, 
um, right then and there, I surrendered my life to God. And um, I was in college. Two years later, at 20 years old, um, I went overseas on a one-way ticket. And um, I was there. I went to Israel. I was there for five years studying um, at the Hebrew University and studying Hebrew and things. And um, I met my husband there. We were married there. And the rest is history. <laughs> that is, you had your own identity crisis back then. A different <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. And I was homeless when I was my last year of high school. Um, uh, my stepfather was very abusive. And so I left the home and I had a car and um, I wanted to fin my, finish my last year of high school. And so I was um, homeless my last year of high school and I would go into school early and wash my hair and, you know, dry it with the hair dryer on the wall and get myself pulled together before class started. And so, I, I mean, I know what it feels like, that vulnerability, you know, yeah. yep. to not have a place to live because it does make you very vulnerable. And I think that's why a lot of the kids that come in to our facility, you know, they, they have a chip on their shoulder or they're very guarded and it takes a while to win that trust and I can relate to that because being homeless does make you vulnerable. Yeah. God puts you at the right place. He's definitely put somebody that understands their needs in the right place. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that you meet some of the kids at Juvenile juvenile Hall. Uh, yes. Tell us where you meet these kids. I, I know some somebody said something about skate park as well, but where do the kids, where do you meet them? Um, well, we have several outreaches here. Uh, the amazing thing about Youth for Christ is that we really rely upon volunteers, totally rely upon volunteers. And we have volunteers that are in our various outreaches. So we go to Juvenile Detention Center twice a week, and we meet a lot of the homeless youth there. Um, we have Campus Life outreaches, which are in our schools. We have Bible study, study in our schools. We have an indoor skate park um, inside our facility here. Um, we have a mentorship, discipleship program that we do on Thursday nights. And those are for teens that are believers and need, you know, to be discipled, that need mentorship. Um, that's on Thursday nights. And then on Friday nights, we have another outreach called Soul Fuel, which is for any team that's um, wanting to come. But um, we, they do games and mentorship and um, teachings throughout that, too. So, um, unfortunately, um, I don't get a lot of that aspect as much as I would like because I'm the chapter manager. But I am a part of it, not as much as I would like to be. But, um, yeah, that's what we do. We, we have a lot of outreaches. Well, tell us what you get to do. What, what is a chapter manager? What, what does that entail? Okay, so every Youth for Christ has a chapter manager. Um, it's it's um, it's the position of an office manager, but I make sure that everything is in the workings for Youth for Christ as far as our YFC national um, guidelines, um, as far as um, having things set up for our volunteers, things like that. I, I I'm kind of like the cogs that keep the wheel moving. Yeah. Well, let's talk about yes. that cog and also the volunteer cog, because you said that is so instrumental in this ministry. How do you get volunteers? How do you vet them? Uh, tell us that process. Okay. Um, that's what I love about Youth for Christ is that um, they they have things set in motion 
that are really amazing. That is a, really a blessing to us. Um, we have the ability to vet our um, volunteers through a process that we do through um, our volunteer um, applications. So when people go to our website, they also, it's connected through YFC National. And as YFC National um, has set up a page for volunteers, they go through a background screening, a training, um, online abuse training. They have the ability to um, do all the training that they need through the YFC National site. So everyone is vetted not only through us, but also through YFC National, which, you know, I, I think sometimes people find it, you know, it's a lot that we do through that process. But to me, it's it's an amazing thing because not only does it protect our children, you know, knowing that they only have the best of the best that work with them, that people have a heart for them, but it also protects our volunteers also. And so I would imagine our listeners that are listening right now, they're thinking, you know what, I would be really good with that ministry. They can just go online, get the application, and yep. start to, to learn how to become a part of it. Right. How many and, volunteers and, do you need? Um, right now, um, it would be amazing if we could find a skate park um, volunteer leader, because um, the, the boys that do the skate park, um, we have different volunteers that are helping in and out. But having um, a person that's there regularly would be awesome. <laughs> that's what, that's one of our prayers right now. So talking about the skate park, so I, and you said something about the Thursday night mentorship, discipleship program. Those are for yes. Christian kids. Are those yes. kids, are you utilizing those kids and saying, hey, go over and hang out with such and such and be a friend or be a mentor to these, the younger group, maybe a five-year younger than, than they are, that kind of thing? Is that happening at all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because um, we, we have a young man that when my husband was still here, um, he started the lunch program here. We have a free lunch program every day that we serve lunch to our high school kids. And so one of the kids that started coming to our lunch, um, he was kind of lost, kind of searching, kind of wondering, what what do I do? And my husband really encouraged him to, um, to uh, join um, the Army. He wanted to join the Army. And so um, as he joined the Army, he, uh, he did his time of service. And um, while he was there, um, they started having Bible studies. And um, one of the guys that they they led to the Lord, which is now one of his friends, um, he was all instrumental in leading those Bible studies. Now that he's home and he's still part of the National Guard, he is helping with our skate park mm. and our lunch and our Friday nights. So he started at our lunch at the Link program, and now he's part of the ministry of what we do here at Youth for Christ. So, yes, that is our main goal, is raising up student leaders to, to lead people their age. I mean, who more than the youth in our society should be leading the youth? Because they understand them the most, the yeah. best. Well, of course, my ears per perked up when I heard an indoor skate park. You got to tell yeah. us a little bit about Give us a visual. What's that all about? Yeah, it's so awesome. So several years ago, um, we had someone donate some equipment to us. And so we have half pipe ramps and wow. rails and um, all the, the pipes and stuff that the kids love to skate on. Um, and it's in our gym. And uh, I mean... 
Wyoming is cold six, like maybe five, six months out of the year. I mean, we got a blistering snowy day today. And so for the kids to have a place where they can come in when it's cold and skate, it's a, it's an awesome thing for them to be able to participate in that. And we can have anywhere from 25 to 40 kids here at our skate park. That's a lot. Yeah. In the afternoons. Yeah. And at nights. So. And so how big is it? Or do people have to like watch out for each other or is it just kind of like a, a free for all? Um, kind of, kind of, um, it is a gym. So it's a large gymnasium. Um, it's not as big as an outside skate park, of course, but, um, but it's big enough for them to, um, to use pipes and do tricks and things like that. And, and a lot of the kids that are learning, you know, that are learning to skate and to do tricks and stuff, they like coming in and learning on our equipment. I know when I was a youth, they, soccer was the big thing. And so you would you would go and play some soccer uh, with the maybe some older Christian kids and with a Christian group. And then in the middle of the game, you're right in the middle of it, you're getting all ready to go, they'll stop and somebody will put a knee on the ball, meaning <laughs> it's, it's the end of it. And then they start talking to you about Jesus. Is there something that happens like that? Do you say, okay, maybe blink the lights or something, but how, how is it, is there a time when people say, all right, stop, we're talking about Jesus right now? Yeah, so what, what my husband did, and um, he taught a lot of the volunteers that are doing it now. Um, so they'll, they come in like, and usually like half, during the half time before it's time to leave. Um, they'll just go, hey guys, let's stop for five minutes. And, and so either we'll have a youth share a testimony or we'll have someone just give a short uh, message, you know, of something that, you know, God has done in their life. And um, that becomes like maybe a five, um, we keep it short, five to 10 minute, just to share a testimony or something that um, would minister to them, you know, at their level. Sure. Because a lot of the kids that come to our skate park, well, to be honest with you, a lot of our kids that come are unchurched kids. And um, so we we have to, we share with them in a way that causes them to have hunger, that causes them to think, you know, maybe there is more to life than what I'm experiencing. And and a lot of them will say, well, there's all kinds of gods. Um, I serve Thor or I serve, uh. you know, Odin or I, I mean, all these crazy like pagan things that they say that they serve. And so I, you know, I like giving them not just a biblical, but a historical perspective of why God is greater. Our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, why he is greater than what you think, you know, or, or experiencing. And so that's, that's how we, we use that approach. And I think that's what's so amazing about Youth for Christ is you do. That's your main focus is the unchurched kids. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. And reaching them. You know, you're the ch- chapter manager. So it, with that in mind, what's happening coming into the Christmas season and even in looking into 2023? What's on the agenda? Oh, wow. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> um, so um, start... Starting around the end of October or middle October, we start taking in um, applications for um, families who are struggling financially and need help for um, 
for Christmas. So I take in all these applications, wow. you know, like this, yeah. all these applications. And um, we have a partner with us that um, helps with the donations of all that and has been doing it many years. And so I think last year we had like 238 families. So we'll have over 200 families every year. Um, we shop for them. So we uh, join the community with that, where we have the community um, be a part of the shopping. And so we go to Walmart and we shop for all these families. And then we join with the uh, uh, local church. And that's part of Youths for Christ. Um, our vision is working together with the local church and other like-minded partners, you know, because we want we want our kids to be followers of Christ for the rest of their life. We don't want it just to be a fleeting thing. We want it to be an experience that changes them forever. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our youth join in that shopping. And so then we'll have a party at uh, one of the local churches that we're partnering with here. And we have a dinner and they come and pick up their gifts and the, the gospel, the gospel was shared on um, the amazing thing. We always tell the kids the amazing thing about the gospel is that it frees us from performance, right? It frees us thinking that we have to do or be something to be accepted by him. The gospel just teaches us that we're already accepted. And so that's part of the message that we teach for the Christmas message is letting the families know that um, we're serving you because Christ has served us. And so I think this year we're going to have um, close to 250 families that we wow. will serve um, this Christmas. You know, and I guess I, maybe there's the skeptic out there thinking, oh, you're giving them presents for Christmas as if that will do anything. But I think what a lasting impact something like that would have for a family that has nothing or is falling apart or has even the parents have the identity crisis. Like you said, growing up in a family that was more abusive than not and just realizing this is such a gift just given to us in this maybe a small way, but what an impact. Can you tell us about some of those impacts that you've seen over the years? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I, I think the most beautiful thing was um, a few years ago um, when we were still having um, the party at the link, um, there was a mother who was in an abusive situation and um, she was, no, she was from the Philippines and had um, been here for a few years she had a disabled child and we had helped her and um, because she was on her own for the first year after leaving an abusive situation. And she wrote a card to us. Um, she worked it. She worked, um, but it was hard for her. She had five children. It was hard for her to take care of all those five children for Christmas. And she wrote the most beautiful card um, telling us how it gave her the ability to give her children not just a Christmas, but they came to our party. And so um, I didn't share this. Every year we have pastors that are available. And so we have a prayer booth that is set up. And you would be surprised how many families come in for prayer. Wow. Just for prayer. And, and I love that, you know, remember when Paul, he said, you know, silver and gold have I none, but such as I do have, I give you. And so it's not just giving of the stuff. I mean, let's just be real here. As Americans, most of us have more than enough. I'm not saying all, but most of us compared to people overseas, we really don't understand poverty. 
So it's not the gift. It's not the stuff that you give people. It's the message behind it. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, I, I want to hear a little bit. You, you were living in Israel, met your husband. He just passed away last year. Was he the driving force behind you guys coming back to Casper and starting to work with the youth there in Casper? Or was it you? Um, no, actually, um, I was here for several years before I worked at Youth for Christ. Um, the ED, uh, Sharon Lockwood, who is... Um, you know, the overseer of Youth for Christ, um, she asked me to join the team. And to be honest, my first response was, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and um, the more I prayed about it, I felt this tug on my heart because honestly, you know, I used to teach kindergarten. I I taught um, Im- young children, the immigrants that came to Israel. Um, you know, in the 90s, there were a lot of new immigrants that came to Israel Um, A lot of them were children, and I used to teach them. And um, I've always worked with children all my life. And um, I had never worked with teens, but I had worked with children. And and so um, Sharon kept saying, you know, I really think, Hope, you belong here. And I kept saying, well, I'm not sure. (laughs) And um, I I just kept praying about it, and I felt a draw on my heart. And um, that's I was here for a year. And then my husband came a year after. How about now? How do you feel? Do you feel like you belong? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there's so many, there's so many, there's so much joy. And and to be honest, since my husband passed, it's like, this is my family. And the kids are my family. And there's never a dull moment. <laughs> there's never a dull moment with these kids. Never. And it's even though there are, times where it's frustrating or hard, the frustration never outweighs the joy that just the little things, you know, that they do, or they'll come in and ask you these crazy questions and you look at them like, what? (laughs) But, but they're just, they're, they're inquisitive. I mean, as a team, they're, they're, they're wanting to find their way. They're trying to create, you know, a place for themselves. And, and, and I, I love that. I, I enjoy that about this job. It, it brings a lot of joy to me. Hope, tell us how our listeners can get involved with you. You mentioned the Christmas celebration that you guys are going to be putting on together uh, and even yes. give us some deadlines and, and maybe some websites of where they can reach out and find you phone numbers perhaps as well. Sure. So if, um, if people want to look us up on the web, it's www.com yfc.org so many things are listed there how to become a volunteer um, about our ministry Um, there's testimonials pictures of all our kids just things like that Um, and our our christmas outreach is starting um, the shopping will be on december 1st and um, it'll be at our local walmart and um, that starts at 12 o'clock um, if anyone in our local area would love to do some shopping, um, we always tell people you can shop like you've always wanted to and you don't have to pay for it. Yeah. And it's for other people. And on December 8th, um, we will have our Christmas party, which will be at Restoration Church on um, 2nd Street here in Casper, Wyoming. And that is from 4 to 7. And um, like I said, there'll be a dinner for the families and 
games for the kids and prayer. There's a place pastors will be there for anyone that would like to receive prayer. Love it. Well, thank you, Hope House, for being with us today on His People. Thank you. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Hope House of Youth for Christ in Casper, Wyoming. If you'd like more information, go to www.yfc.org. Coming up on tomorrow's program, it's Adeline Allen on the teaching power of the law in our lives. So anyway, this nurse reports, she said, in the wake of Roe falling, discussions with patients have gotten more difficult. Patients are more strongly voicing feelings like they're doing something that's wrong or illegal, or they're experiencing a larger amount of confusion about their decision to terminate. Because there's this bigger overarching idea of, well, if the Supreme Court or the government says that this isn't legal, then I'm clearly doing something wrong. That's tomorrow at the same time right here on His People. Thanks for listening.